Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week and I guide you gently through the last show of the year, listeners. It's a sad and bittersweet, but also a celebration. So, yeah, make the most of this. There won't be another one till the start of January, till the new year, 2022. Uh, it's been a, a tr- tremendous year in, on so many levels. Um, another crazy year. And we've got a brilliant guest to cap the year off. It's Meredith Klein, who's Head of Consumer and Product Communications at Pinterest. Meredith, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here with you both. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're doing this in person. This is the third, second one we've done this year in person. The others have all been uh, remote. And it looks like we're going back uh, remote uh, next year. But anyway, let's tr- let's be cheery. It's yes. the last show of the year. It's the holiday show. And Frank Washcook's here, our executive editor. Frank, so good to be back doing a yes. live show with you. Speaking of cheery, that's me. Happy to be here. Yes. Woo. Are you looking forward to the holidays, sir? <laughs> I, I, I am, yes. Yeah, I think we all are, aren't we? It's been a long year. We all need one. Me too. We do. Yeah. Uh, we're probably going to have to cancel all our holiday plans. But anyway, uh, no. Uh, so we'll talk to Meredith, some really fascinating stuff going on at Pinterest. Then we'll chat about the... Just because it's the last week of the year doesn't mean that PR Week stops, by the way. Our awards shortlist was unveiled this week for the 2022 PR Week Awards, the Oscars of the PR industry, Frank. And uh, our PR Week Healthcare and Pharma Communications Awards launched. This is a new set of awards to really recognize a, a very fast-growing area of comms. So we're excited about that. We'll find out a bit more. Did you watch Sex in the City and the Peloton incident? And uh, how do you think Peloton handled it? We'll chat about that. Mark Pritchard from Procter & Gamble is going to be, has been chatting to us about diversity. And we've done a bunch of work on Hispanic uh, audiences by Sabrina Sanchez, our fantastic reporter. Michael Sneed is going to retire from Johnson & Johnson after a multi-decade run, and uh, we'll talk about that. And any more end-of-year people move roundups. We're going to try and keep away from COVID, actually, because we've talked about that enough this year. We know there's another um, phase coming around the corner. The JP Morgan Healthcare Conference has been tra- changed to virtual from physical, so we'll see how that happens. But Meredith, let's talk to you. This is an, always an interesting time of year for Pinterest because you put out your annual list of trends. I, I remember it as Pinterest 100. It's now called Pinterest Predicts. It's the eighth annual list. It confirms that I am a cultural Luddite because I, I don't recognize any of the trends, which is as it should be, an old fella like me. But tell us a bit about the list and what we should be looking out for. What's the big trends that caught your eye? Sure. So um, I'm so glad you know it as P100, which means we've we've done a good job sticking the message point in the eighth annual. Um, what's interesting is every year um, we've pretty accurately predicted the trends. These past two years, eight out of 10 trends that we predicted have come true, which is fascinating. On the list this year, um, tooth gems are going to be a really big deal. Tooth gems? Tooth gems. What's, yep. what's one of them? Gonna, People are going to get some grills and bedazzling on their wow. teeth. 
Yeah, that's going to be a big thing. We also have something called um, Pearl Core. Uh, so people are going to be more incorporating those classic pearls throughout their outfits, whether it's on their bag um, or their shirts or maybe their tooth. We also have what's called alt bashes. So people will be celebrating everything from a puppy's first birthday to a divorce party, to a first home, to a breakup, just finding more ways to bring joy and celebration, especially we, after these- We need reasons to celebrate, don't we? Past two years. Yeah. Um, oh my goth. Uh, so bringing yeah. goth is coming back wow. in style for someone who wears black all the time with a little pop of color. Um, you're going to see a mix between Oh My Goth, which is all black, and dopamine dressing, which is high color. So depending your mood, both will be on trend and in style. I see you and Frank have both Oh My Goth. I we went know. Oh My Goth. And that the roll necks, they are everywhere. Is that last year's trend that's still playing out or is that one of this year's? Or polo like necks, we call them in... In yes, Europe. I think this is considered a full turtleneck because That's I did have to roll it down. It's not even a mock. I usually prefer the mock for a little air, but no, because we had a, a Christmas gathering, or a holiday gathering last week, and I couldn't help noticing pretty much every uh, woman at the event had a roll neck or some sort of turtleneck. It's a very classic. Garment. It's a very classic look. You add a little bit of gold around, and it's a very classic look. So, Frank, can we expect to see you with some what? Some tooth um, gems and some uh, probably, pearls. I'll probably avoid the uh, the pearls, and I'll probably avoid the tooth gems. I, what I, about some old parties? I, I do have flashy socks on today. You do. So, so I mean, I. that's a start, I yeah. guess. For the got uh, big legs on mine. Yeah. Kentucky's finest. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also we, found that night moves are going to be a big deal. So people are going to be spending more hours after hours. So late night parties, late night movies, late night gathering, for some probably late night eating. Uh, so we call that our night moves and um, architecture, doing, architecture, doing yeah, more photo shoots with dogs, cats, other animals um and uh ancestral <laughs> eats so trying to really feel through different cultures and you know try different cultural cuisines and bring that forward and at home cooking so i think you'll see more of that come through so uh, i'm leaning to my old man status i've seen youngsters these days that, that when they go out they seem to look like they're in their pajamas um is that again a trend that's been around is that called pajama nor core pajama core or yeah or is is that I mean, an old trend that's, no it's not an old trend it went from um athleisure to what last year we called cocooning cocooning was just multiple layers so if you had your sweatpants yeah. on you would still just do multiple layers they called that Scarves. cocooning yes but it was just a fashionable way of dressing up sweatpants so okay. you're still with it steve we're good all right so where do we find out more about Pinterest predicts because it's uh, fascinating stuff actually. Lots yep. of uh, great things to drop into your, you know, your thought leadership pieces and yeah. Yeah, conversations. Water coolers, if we still did water coolers. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, we make it really easy. Pinterestpredicts.com. Can't mess that one up. We've got go. some great uh, in-depth imagery on our site and just more details with the spikes and trends for the predictions. Now, this is here. based on the sort of search terms in Pinterest. So obviously Google does one of these as well, which, which sort of, what would you say the main differences are with the Pinterest list and Google? Google is a much wider 
base, I suppose. Yours is really down onto cultural trends, fashion, all those sort of things. Yeah. Sure. So I, people go to Google for information on everything, but people come to Pinterest to plan uh, and for inspiration. So the difference is people will come to Pinterest to plan, whether it's for um, a holiday party, a holiday meal, um, you know, DIY your backyard, some activities for the kids. Um, and what we do is we have first party pinner data that we can see what people are searching for and we actually can recognize trends before they're mainstream. So we've seen trends spike um, before they're even discussed in the press. And that's just based on what are over 400 million pinners who range from Gen Z all the way up to Boomer are searching for. So this is kind of firsthand what people are looking to be inspired by, the trends that they're doing. We now have new tools where they can share their inspiration and trends through idea pins. And are these global trends or are they more US oriented? They are global trends. Okay. They are global trends. And, you know, Pinterest is an interesting social network, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, because I guess it started, at, didn't really start in Silicon Valley, did it, as such, in that it was more born out in, mid, in the Midwest or in, amongst women rather than sort of tech bros. Is that fair? And would you say it's developed a long way beyond that now into lots of other different demographics? Mm -hmm. We certainly appealed to the young modern woman for sure. Uh, but this past year and actually these past two years, especially with the pandemic and everyone being home, we actually saw our highest fastest demographic in men and Gen Z. Um, now, uh, everything from fashion to food, um, a lot of woodworking, a lot of metalworking, a lot of, um, you know, outdoor oasis. That's what really has been trending uh, for the men. But we really have gone 360 and it's pretty balanced now. Uh, seven out of 10 U.S. women are on uh, Pinterest and we've got about, um, I would say, four to five out of 10 men. Um, but that continues to increase. Yeah, so I remember wedding planning a few years ago, and that was Pinterest was a big part of it. So was for my now wife, it's, uh, yes. it's, and, and I was involved as well. But I'm sure she has other private boards up there I'm for sure different she things she wants. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't dare ask him about uh, her about those. Now, tell us a bit about the, some of the partnerships you're building with as head of consumer and product comms. Interesting one you've just done with Mariah Carey. Um, tell us about that, and then how the nuts and bolts of that go together, and how much of you would call that PR versus paid versus earned and, and, and social. Sure. Um, this year, we really um, turned it up as positioning Pinterest as a platform for creators. Creators are who we call, um, you know, our influencers and even our celebrities. Um, and we launched an activation called Create Your Take. Um, it was spawned off of the new product that we launched, Takes, which is a video reply to an idea pin. Idea pin is our video story format. Um, and to help us really blow this up, we use tons of up and coming and emerging creators. Um, you know, everyone from, you know, Tan France to um, Olympic gold medalist, um, you know, Tom Daly. Uh, we also uh, really pulled out the big guns and worked with Jennifer Lopez um, and just today Mariah Carey. So it's been really exciting. It's a, it's, it's a 360 comms plan where we do obviously pay for the partnership, but we secure earned press for it. Uh, so for Mariah Carey, um, we obviously had a paid partnership with her. Uh, we're amplifying organically and through paid uh, marketing and social. Um, and then we did an earned outreach exclusive to El Decor, which we secured. We did a 10 minute phone interview um, and the rest is kind of history. So how do those, how do those deals get put together? You know, is there a, 
is there a little crossover between look if we look at that peloton story we're going to discuss you know mm. peloton maybe was having to pay to be in that although they didn't obviously didn't get script approval uh, but but is there an element of that in the sort of partnerships you put together as well like if you go if you want to get on the today show do you have to pay a bit of advertising or uh, partner content money as well to, to make those happen or can you still do pure earned activations we found that we still can do pure owned activations um, and my approach has always been to start with earned like if you can get it for free and you can earn it and you can get it organically let's do that um, there have been a few outlets and mediums which have come back to us with a paid component um, affiliate continues to be a huge driver um, as magazines continue to kind of dwindle and have uh, you know slimmer staff it's necessary that they have some, you know, commerce budget so that they're doing the affiliate work. So we do have some affiliate programs. We announced in October we'd be doing more with our creators and affiliate programs specifically to suffice that. So there are some outlets that only take uh, a paid partnership, but we really focus on um, earned foremost. Um, and then when we're paying, we're largely paying for the talent. We're not necessarily paying for the placement. Um, and typically that comes down to the contract negotiation. We're very tough with our contract negotiation in terms of what we're going to pay and what we're going to get for it. And oftentimes it includes earned organic um, posts on our Pinterest channels, as well as the talents personal channels. Like we'll say one post on Instagram, one post on Twitter, one post on Pinterest, right? And that's all part of the contract. Um, and then we'll usually say we want up to three 10 minute interviews. The reason why we keep it at 10, so hard to you know get these celebs on the phone. Um, so 10 minutes, that's literally 30 minutes of their time. Um, and then we use the other 30 minutes for a prep. So we ask for one hour of their time. We achieve 30 minutes in prep and then we do three 10 minute interviews. Uh, we, of course, go through the list of blackout outlets, blackout dates. We have an approved list of who we can pitch, um, but it's earned outreach. Yeah. Um, and then we use uh, marketing dollars to obviously um, boost any of the social posts uh, and the talents posts that we do as well. Now, obviously, Pinterest is full of influencers in their own rights and influence, influencers have become a big part of communications. How do you work with, have you got superstar influencers on Pinterest that you do work with and that you can, you've almost grown their, them as stars yourself? Yes, absolutely. One of the things we pride ourselves on is nurturing and forming up and coming creators. So we've had many folks who have grown their audience significantly, um, who have also made a lot of money. There was just an article in Business Insider the other week about uh, a Pinterest creator uh, approaching making $100,000 um, from working you know, directly with Pinterest and doing content on Pinterest. Um, and we also have very strong advertiser support. Advertisers, I mean, they're, I can't give any numbers, but big, big brands and advertisers are pouring millions into Pinterest um, because they see the value and the return on investment because truly people are coming to Pinterest to plan and get inspired um, and your brand can be discovered more authentically. Um, it keeps brands more top of mind than just the average consumer saying, I have to go Christmas shopping. Where should I be going? Should I be going to Target, Walmart? Should I just go to Amazon, right? Am I going to a specialty store? All of these big box retailers, all of these niche brands, all of these small and medium sized businesses are on Pinterest. So if an image or a video inspires you, you could actually be discovering a completely new brand that you would have never known to shop for otherwise. So are you positioning Pinterest as, an, as a network for people to advertise and are you 
like Amazon has done and have your own sales team or do you, do you work through the media agencies just like a, a normal buy? How, do, how does that work? Yes, we have multiple teams of interest. So we have a dedicated sales team that's working closely on, um, you know, maintaining and growing new business with advertisers. We have an incredible marketing and advertising team um, that leads through a lot of that. And paid marketing actually falls under the marketing spend. So uh, largely we just rely on them for it. But um, advertisers have continued to come to us. They also see us in the press a lot. So it's kind of a 360 where they'll see an article uh, in ad week, uh, you know, or ad age or whatever, and reach out to us and say, how can I be a part of this? I saw that. Um, so, you know, with public relations metrics, measurement, that's a big pain point for us all. We often say, it's all about correlation. This contributed to the visibility. This contributed to the increase in traffic. Um, it's rare to get causation, but we've had multiple instances where um, a brand or an advertiser has cited an article that they've seen with another brand and reached out to our sales team, who then connects them with the PR team once everything's put through. And just to finish, you you had a great year. You were named to our 40 under 40 list, and we had a great celebration in person, which was good fun. Yes. Um, what's, what are you looking forward to most in 22 and is there one or two trends that you think are going to be really big that we should look out for sure um i think you know with everything going on with the continued pandemic i think we'll see a lot of hybrid and flexible working um, i think you're going to see much more experiential virtual events so um there's not just going to be an event without a virtual component and that virtual component is not gonna be you sitting in front of your computer and watching it. They're gonna make it that much more experiential. It's stuff that we're personally at Pinterest working on too to make sure that it's a true, wonderful experience. Um, I also think you're gonna see um, some bolder narratives. I think people are gonna take more risks. I think people are going to resist complacency of what works because at this point, um, people are so, you know, in the thick of things that you need to be really loud, really bold, really different to break through. Otherwise, you're just going to drone on. Um, and I do think that you're going to continue to see um, brands take a significant um, act through multimedia. You're going to see, uh, you know, a ton through podcasts. You're going to see a ton through video. You're going to see a ton led on social where things normally would have led uh, with a story breaking. I think people are going to be breaking things more on social just because of how quick it can catch fire and go viral. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But great to chat to you, Meredith, and uh, look forward to getting your input on our new stories. Frank. PR Week Awards 22, the shortlist was unveiled this week. It's always one of the most popular stories of the year, isn't it? Um, anything particularly catch your eye this year? Yes, I can tell you one category I'm really looking forward to this year, and that is best in employee engagement, because I, yeah. I think we all know that as you talk to the folks on the ground out there, uh, especially in-house, this has taken up so much of their time for the past two years now. Uh, and it's been such an important part of what they do. Uh, really looking forward to seeing who wins in that category and also just what kind of activation they did. And, um, and uh, you know, just the different kind of creative ways that they've uh, engaged employees and, and, you know, whether it's through wellness or, or just other ways of keeping them engaged, happy at work. I think it's a really important category this year. Yeah, we call them the Oscars of the PR industry, Meredith. Is that are we bigging ourselves up a bit too much there, or, or do people out in the industry really look at it like that? 
They really do. It's something that as young young PR professionals, we kind of put it on the, you know, vision board and manifest it and and hope that we can work hard and get that recognition. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great night. And hopefully in person, March 16th at Cipriani, it'd be great, great celebration with everyone, hopefully. And a really great slate of work and agencies and teams and a big spread of different types of uh, organizations and brands, which is good to see. So very competitive as, as always, and uh, having been part of it, the judging it, it re- really is a very robust process. And it's the first time with an extra large, correct? Yes, we, um, in the agency category, which is very hard for, we split out large from extra large because, uh, so now the extra large is above $200 million. So that's the sort of Edelman's web is uh, those sort of, uh, although there's some interesting companies in there like Real Chemistry uh, that have grown very quickly, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's a, a change for this year. All right, but and talking of awards, we launched our Healthcare and Pharma Communications Awards uh, today, as we record, and that's to recognise the big increase in work in those areas, especially over the last couple of years. But that's been that trend's been growing for a while, hasn't it, Frank? Yeah. And uh, you know, there's so much good work going on that we can't we can't really reflect it all in just one category in the PR Week Awards. So we've set this uh, new program up. Yeah, and it's become so important, so much more important to agencies over the past few years, uh, and especially to the PR firms that work on on earned media related to healthcare. This has just grown so much over the past two years. It deserves its own separate recognition. Um, I can't think of a better chair of jury than the one we have for this inaugural awards. Uh, it's Kate Cronin. She's Moderna's chief brand officer. I think really well known to folks both on the agency side and the in-house side. Um, she's she's done terrific work in the past. She's you know going to be doing terrific work and important work at Moderna. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great to have her on board uh, leading the judging for this. Yeah, Kate uh, used to be global CEO of uh, Ogilvy Health and moved over this year to into the client's uh, role at Moderna. And um, yeah, it was great to honor Dr. Kizzy actually talking about, yeah. you know, influencers from this year who was who's worked with Moderna on their uh, vaccine and just on the cover of Time, one yeah. of the people of the year, right? Yeah, really, and well-deserved. Yeah. Absolutely well-deserved, so. She was our change maker of the year at the Purpose Awards, so it's nice to see Time catching up with PR yeah. Week, but there you go. All right, everyone's been talking about Peloton yeah. Um, since uh, I'm sure you were, you stayed in and watched the first in the Sex and the City I new w- series, Frank. I have um, to admit I wasn't aware of it uh, <laughs> until um, the following Monday when I saw this this brand story crisis story happening. Well, we should. Um, it's spoiler alert here because we are going to be talking about a plot line for those who. Yeah, got it on but their I TV think up. it's it's been out there enough, and we've written about it enough that there's not a lot we can hide. So. Um, I may ask for your help. On yes, this category. Oh, <laughs> um, I watched and have a lot of thoughts. There, there's a there's a character named, uh, named Mr. Big, Mr. Big, and and I, I'm more familiar with his Law and Order work from back in the day. But anyway, so um, from what Chris I understand, Knox, yeah. some fans of the show might might say he deserved what he got for the way he's treated her, uh, the Sarah Jessica Parker Parker character over the years. But um, anyway, he he had a. He suffered cardiac arrest after getting off of a Peloton bike. And as you can imagine, Peloton was probably not too happy with this. And their share price did dip that day. But we should should point out the bigger context is their share prices had a rough year. They've had some issues and also people going back to the gym and 
and all of those things combined. So um, they bounced back with the help of Ryan Reynolds' uh, uh, advertising agency that showed uh, Mr. Big or Chris Knopf, whichever you prefer, is uh, alive and well and in, in a cabin by a fireplace with a female companion and all is well in his life and ready to get back, back on the, the bike. Literally <laughs> and, and figuratively. So um, it's gotten a lot of plaudits from our audience. Um, it, I, I think it's been pretty well reviewed. Uh, and, and a lot of that is, I know it's a creative activation here, but I, I like to think a lot of this is comms. A lot of this is, is crisis response. A lot of this is, is knowing how to react quickly in the right situation. And, and uh, I'm sure the comms team at Peloton had a bit to do with it too. So um, yeah, getting, uh, maybe not rave reviews, but it's, it's the lots of, well. Lots of layers. One yeah. of which is how quickly they turned it around yeah. right? over yeah. a weekend, you know, which in the old days, it took six months to build, to make a TV ad. And this was like this, which is Ryan Reynolds uh, agency. Uh, so I think they did rescue it. I mean, the share price started going back up. Some would say they should have known a bit more about this plot line right. of him dying on the Peloton, which they clearly didn't. And, you know, to my point earlier, if they're paying for product placement, that's not really the sort of product placement you want. Um, so what did you think, Meredith? Um, first from a, I don't know, you're a fan of the show? Yes. And second, how did they respond and, and what was your, your sort of view of the response? So um, I am a fan of the show. Um, I was one of millions of people screaming at the TV, call 911, <laughs> call 911. Um, so, you know, I think Sarah Jessica Parker probably has to, uh, you know, come out with something cute and cheeky on her end as well to kind of get, get her out of that situation because people were honestly pretty mad at her for it. In terms of the response, I think it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the first response when they were obviously discussing the strategy with Ryan Reynolds and maximum uh, effort, uh, to discuss was to come out with a cardiologist to talk about the importance of preventative health. So if you think about kind of what went through the mind is, you know, consumers often can very quickly um, misjudge what's perception versus reality, because when you do get so ingrained in a show and so beloved to the characters, it can affect a consumer's perception. So I did think it was smart out of the gate to come out with a cardiologist to kind of talk about preventative. And then I was secretly hoping, and we at Pinterest were all kind of talking on you know Slack channels about what to do. Our recommendation was similarly come out with something on social. And this is what I was talking about earlier, Steve. Social is the quickest way to respond video. The female companion is actually a very well-known Peloton instructor. Um, So that was like a really, uh, you know, good nod. A lot of people recognize that. Uh, The the use of Ryan Reynolds uh, was also brilliant because he would have recalled a year ago. um, He, the Peloton ad failed when it was that young woman who was given Peloton by her husband. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, gin company actually cast her in their commercial, did a fun spoof on it. So I actually love the irony of that um, and just the responsive time. It was pure genius. They also offered a discount on the Peloton. So that was their response to investors to say the stock is going down. We stated uh, that, you know, we came out with credibility with a cardiologist. We matched it with humor. 
and then we gave the discount. So they really hit the health market, the consumer market, and the investor market um, with all three of those strategies that they Yeah, offered. and your point about social is well made because that's where the conversations are happening. So you go where the conversations are happening. You can't dictate that conversation. It's not a broadcast message, but you can be part of it and, and sort of influence so it. My, my question, do you think it's enough because you have this, this big cultural moment? And is, is the response then enough to not wipe it out of people's memories, but but is it enough to, you know, really for the brand to rebound from what some people are gonna be talking about for a long time? I think it's enough for that audience. I mean, keep in mind, even though it was widespread on social media and it was widespread in Twitter, um, not everyone watched Sex in the City and not everyone was impacted. So if we were to do a deep dive audit into the social comments, some people are like, why do we care? Why are we talking about this, right? So with any crisis, you have to understand that you're gonna have a completely mixed bag of folks and reactions. So I don't think this is so detrimental that will hurt them. I think Peloton's a great brand. They've had issues with, transparency and pay. They've had some issues with, um, you know, diversity, like any company that did well during the pandemic. And now we're kind of in the pandemic, we're out. Um, they're going to have to be very authentic and competitive and, you know, bold and responsive um, in order to survive. And every single day you are not only promoting your brand, but protecting your reputation that can be taken from you on any single day. So I think that this is a win in their book. Um, but every single day they've got to work towards that. Should they have known more about the plot line and can you dictate, if you're involved in a brand activation like that, can you dictate the plot line and say, no, actually we're not, we're not happy with our product being, you, you know, in a, in, a, in a plot line like that? Yeah, um, it depends. So in entertainment, it's actually a lot harder. So I'm not at all surprised that, you know, an HBO um, or Netflix or, you know, any type of uh, entertainment company wouldn't share that um, because the spoilers like that spoils their whole promotion, their season. There's a lot of money lost. So it is a little bit different with entertainment contracts. They can get away with saying, he, they can give you a gist of it, but they will not share the plot. They will not share the script. Whereas when you when you are working, um, you know, with a talent or another brand, typically you have you have a script review. You have here's the overview of what we want to discuss. Here's the goals and objectives. Here's the script. Like when we just did the work with Mariah, we completely scripted what we would talk about, and then of course she made it her own and and, and brought in her Mariahisms. But there is that transparency. Entertainment is just a little bit different. Um, so I'm not surprised to see that they did not fully disclose what was going to happen because, of course, Peloton would not have accepted. Yeah, yeah. And finally, are you going to be tuning in for the next episode? What did you think of the Sex in the City sort of return? And looking back, that, I guess, was what some people's view of PR, wasn't it? Because of Samantha's role in it, although she's not in the, she's not directly in the news series. Was it, was it any good? Um, I personally liked it. I've heard uh, people felt the writing was bad. Um, people were very disappointed with how this would be. I think they needed to start it with a jarring shock um, to get anyone that wasn't going to be paying attention and said, like, this is a has-been show. If anything, this has actually been great publicity for Sex in the City course, for people yeah. to want to see what's next. So I don't know what was intentional, but if you're going to bring back a show and you're not quite sure how everyone's going to react, um, 
you got to really start off strong. And I would say they did. I'm certainly tuning in for the next episode. Good. Okay. Let's talk about Mark Pritchard. Um, Frank, he was yes. talking to our reporter, Sabrina Sanchez, some really interesting comments about diversity. And this was a conversation he had with Walter Gear, I think, who's at VML YNR. Yeah. And, uh, and Walter is an activist. And um, this conversation was happening uh, on Instagram Live and, and Sabrina was watching. And, um, you know, I think Mark Pritchard at, at PNG was very candid about where PNG is at in terms of DEI right now, and you know, essentially saying, "Yeah, we've made some changes and we've made some progress, both internally and and externally." And externally meaning um, the range of diversity of individuals that they feature in commercials, within their marketing, with the influencers they work with, uh, but also really interesting in terms of the suppliers they work with. To. And um, I, I think it was really important he tackled that as well. Um, I, I think you can tell uh, when you hear Pritchard talk about this that this is this is something he believes in. It's a, he's talked about his own experiences uh, in the past, and I think been really heartfelt about it. Now it's interesting. Um, he sort of said uh, that um, that Walter is, thinks he can be doing more. And could be driving more change, um, and, and it was really interesting to, to hear the inside outside look on this, um, because I, I, I do think there there is always a tendency to look at a company as big as PNG and say that they can be doing more to drive things. But on the other hand, I think a lot of people know that it is very difficult to make change quickly at such big organizations. Um, so really yeah. interesting conversation. Walter basically said that as the biggest advertiser in the world, right. pretty much, they could they could change it on their own. Um, and I think, and Mark Pritchard is a really interesting case because he's, he's part Mexican. His real name is Mickey Gonzalez, and he felt the need to change his name to get on in his career. And that's what he's talked about. So it's, it's, Mark Pritchard is very committed to this and uh, from a personal point of view, but also a company and brand point of view. So yeah, it's a, it's a big topic. Have, uh, Meredith, uh, Pinterest is, would you, where are you at on diversity as, in terms of Pinterest as a platform? You know, does it have, presumably has everything there, you know, but can you, can you say it's a truly diverse platform with where everybody feels welcome? We are known as um, the kindest and most inclusive corner of the internet, um, and that's by design. Everything from the inclusive tech products that we intentionally design and build. Most recently, we did a hair pattern texture where you could search from your hair pattern um, and you were served up images of um, people that looked like you. That's very important. Um, so we actually really spend a lot of time and focus there. We also, as a company, make significant commitments. So we did um, a transparency report this year. We also have specific goals, especially on the comm side. 50% of our creators, spokespeople, um, merchants, partners, uh, and also creator agencies will be, um, you know, an agency of color, a person of color, you know, someone that falls within the BIPOC category. So we hold that incredibly um, dear to our hearts. It's very important. Um, but altogether, Pinterest is a very inclusive place. And I think that with the social toxicity happening across social media, we're often a safe haven where people can really just be their authentic selves and create content that gives them the opportunity to create a life they love um, versus doing it on other platforms for entertainment or vanity or 
Okay. Well, yeah, we need safe spaces. Definitely, it's incredibly toxic in, in in a lot of places on the internet, and that's that's a that's a big problem, as we know. So, yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, Frank Michael Sneed, well known to us, a Hall of Famer, PR Week Hall of Famer. He's retiring from Johnson and Johnson. I guess that's kind of linked into. I mean, I think he's been there nearly forty years, but yeah, it's kind of linked into them splitting into two as a company as well, isn't it? It is. Um, I think that a lot of our listeners probably remember a podcast we did with uh, with Michael. A couple of years ago and he was a great guest but yes like you said it is tied to the company splitting into two they are uh splitting off the consumer division uh from the more specialized pharma division um and uh, as part of this vanessa broadhurst uh is going to become evp of global corporate affairs so looking to see what she brings uh to the table when she steps into that role uh in the spring um, and look, there's a lot of leadership changes, a lot of leadership committee changes happening at J&J. Uh, I think like a lot of pharma companies, they, they have a lot of challenges um, and not just the business split at this point. I mean, obviously they are, they are a vaccine maker. They have the uh, one dose vaccine versus everybody else's two dose vaccine. And that in and of itself is, has a lot of challenges. But I think pharma in general, faces a lot of uh, reputational challenges as well. And I, and while that's rebounded during the pandemic a bit, I, I think that's still the case in a lot of ways. Yeah, and they had the baby powder yep. legal case as well. And uh, this just seems to be a trend towards uh, breaking big conglomerates up, doesn't, doesn't there, with Toyota, with GE and other, other companies. So, yeah, but we wish Michael well. Great, um, great PR professional and a good friend of uh, PR Week. So wish him well in what he does next. And people moves have been a massive trend this year, haven't they? We've, we've been doing even more than ever all year. And it's a reflection of the talent wars, of the great resignation, of people desperately trying to you know, fuel increases in, in business, women leaving the business. So there's there's talent shortfalls. But uh, just give us the, this week we've done a bunch of people moves as well. So to just round them up for us. We have, yes. Yeah. So uh, let me call out a few ones. Um, UPS has promoted both Malcolm Berkeley and Daisha Barnett. Um, they're both reporting up to uh, Laura Lane, who is the Chief Corporate Affairs Officer at UPS. I think anybody who knows Malcolm and Daisha knows they're both just, just terrific, really well-respected across the industry. Absolutely. Uh, executives. And so bravo to them on the promotion. The promotions, both of them. Interesting moves at uh, H&K, where they are uh, muscling up in the data and analytics in the comms tech area, which I think, as our readers know, is a big area of focus for ours of ours over the past year and, and will be going forward. Uh, Colby Vogt um, was their new EVP and U.S. Head of Data and Analytics. Um, he's reporting up to Richard Miller, the global president and CEO of the Americas uh, at H&K. Uh, he's a veteran of DeVries. He's coming, he's coming from over there. And um, what is interesting about this is this is the second comms tech focused executive hire at H&K in the past few weeks. Uh, it brought on Grant Toops, uh, formerly of ICF Next, as its first global chief technology officer recently. Uh, so they are really paying attention uh, to that area. Um, this one we just broke today, a BCW Group's Axicom uh, technology specialist firm. Matthew Lackey is gonna be their global CEO. This is interesting because it's the first global CEO at this shop since 2017. Uh, the regional heads had been taking care of the position since then. Uh, he's gonna be based in San Francisco and report up to BCW CEO Donna Imperato. And- He's come over from Golan? He has come over from yeah. Golan, yes. Um, 
Longtime Edelman veteran Mark Bogansky uh, has joined Edelman to, or, excuse me, has joined Ogilvy to lead their consumer PR unit. He's going to be the client lead for uh, their massive client, LG Electronics USA, which they share uh, with Hill and Knowlton as part of the uh, LG One uh, unit. Hyatt is bringing on Francesca Weber to head uh, global communications. Uh, she's been serving there in an interim role since July, but she will uh, step into the role on a permanent basis on December 9th. Uh, she is based in Chicago and reporting up to the chief commercial officer of Hyatt. So just a few of the big ones from this month. Yep, plenty more at prweek.com. Keep up with them. Meredith, what's the talent market like? Is it really difficult to keep your best people, but also get new people in? Um, I think it's easy enough to keep good people if you've been doing things all year long to keep them. Uh, anytime that you're reactive and reacting to, you know, a concern or a situation, you're on your back foot. So um, we've been trying to be very creative with the opportunities that we give people at Pinterest. There are so many opportunities, um, whether we're doing, you know, rotations internationally uh, for opportunities, um, you know, since we are um, global and around the world, France, Germany, Australia, Japan, uh, London, um, and also just giving people opportunities to work on new projects. Uh, we had um, an associate work on something called Havens, which was you know a dedicated um, safe space for people to celebrate uh, inclusion, diversity, their differences. Um, we did a live activation in Chicago. Um, you know, had a lot of uh, different local artists come, um, as well as Chance the Rapper come um, and read to kids in the morning. So giving people the opportunity to hear their ideas. Um, you know, back their ideas with money and support from leadership, let them execute that, give them the opportunity to shadow and take on new skills, um, combine with some rotations and, you know, pay transparency and a few different things. To me, it's more important to retain the talent, um, just like you would be doing in new business. It's much harder to constantly be pitching new business. I think the focus needs to be on retaining the current business, otherwise you're always chasing. So mm -hmm. I would apply that same thing with the talent keep them happy, talk to them often, um, give them new things to do before they have to ask for it. And you're gonna keep your best people. And when you're recruiting, they're gonna see the tenure on that team and they're gonna say something's right there, I wanna work there. Yeah, good advice to go into 2022 with Meredith. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the last show of the year. Um, yeah, and let's see what 2022's got in store for us. Yes, thanks for having me, happy holidays. Yeah. Pleasure. Um, thank you, Frank. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for a year of more podcasts and all the work with, from you and the team, keeping the, the content plate spinning. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. So don't forget our salary survey. It's the biggest um, review of pay and conditions in the sector. It only takes a few minutes to fill it in, but uh, we really want to get as many of you as possible taking that. Dashboard 25. That's our comms tech list, the top movers and shakers. And uh, Frank was talking about how agencies are investing in that, some potential candidates there. You can, um, we want to get your best submissions in for that. Going to be publishing that toward the end of February. We mentioned Women of Distinction, which is formerly known as Hall of Femme. That is uh, now open for uh, uh, nominations as well as the Women to Watch. So that's uh, always a fantastic list of amazing PR professionals, now known as Women of Distinction. And finally, the Healthcare and Pharma Awards. The first deadline for those is February 2nd and final deadline February 9th. So do look out for, for those. But look, thank you so much, listeners, for your support. 
um, and you're listening in and just being, uh, being part of the PR Week world. We appreciate you. Without you, we are nothing. And um, we hope you have a, a safe and uh, restful holiday period and come back fighting in 2022 because we, we need you to continue doing the, the great work that you've been doing in, in the industry. And uh, PRs really come of age. So uh, have a great break and we'll see you in 2022. That's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.